Journey of the King, Parts 5, 6, and 7 From Time and the Gods by Lord Dunsany This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Robin Cotter, Toronto, Ontario, March 2007. Time and the Gods by Lord Dunsany. Journey of the King. Part 5. Then spake the prophet Thun, who was clad in seaweed, and had no temple, but lived apart from men. All his life he had lived on a lonely beach, and had heard forever the wailing of the sea, and the crying of the wind in hollows among the cliffs. Some said that having lived so long by the full beating of the sea, and where always the wind cries loudest, he could not feel the joys of other men, but only felt the sorrow of the sea crying in his soul forever. Long ago on the path of stars, midmost between the worlds, there strode the gods of old. In the bleak middle of the worlds they sat, and the worlds went round and round, like dead leaves in the wind at autumn's end, with never a life on one, while the gods went sighing for the things that might not be. And the centuries went over the gods, to go where the centuries go, toward the end of things. And with them went the sighs of all the gods, as they longed for what might not be. One by one, in the midst of the worlds, fell dead the gods of old, still sighing for the things that might not be, all slain by their own regrets. Only Shimono Kanai, the youngest of the gods, made him a harp out of the heart-strings of all the elder gods, and, sitting upon the path of stars, in the middle of things, played upon the harp a dirge for the gods of old. And the song told of all vain regrets, and of unhappy loves of the gods in the olden time, and of their great deeds that were to adorn the future years. But into the dirge of Shimono Kanai came voices crying out of the heartstrings of the gods, all sighing still for the things that might not be. And the dirge and the voices crying go drifting away from the path of stars, away from the midst of things, till they come twittering among the worlds, like a great host of birds that are lost by night. And every note is a life, and many notes become caught up among the worlds to be entangled with flesh for a little while, before they pass again on their journey to the great anthem that roars at the end of time. Shimono Kanai hath given a voice to the wind, and added a sorrow to the sea. But when in lighted chambers, after feasting there, arises the voice of the singer to please the king, then is the soul of that singer crying aloud to his fellows, from where he stands chained to earth. And when at the sound of the singing the heart of the king grows sad, and his princes lament, then they remember, though knowing not that, they remember it, the sad face of Shimono Kanai, sitting by his dead brethren, the elder gods, playing on the harp of crying heartstrings, whereby he sent their souls among the worlds. And when the music of one lute is lonely on the hills at night, then one soul calleth to his brother souls, 
the notes of Shimono Kanai's dirge, which have not been caught among the worlds, and he knoweth not to whom he calls, or why, but knoweth only that minstrelsy is his only cry, and sendeth it out into the dark. But although in the prison-houses of earth all memories must die, yet as there sometimes clings to a prisoner's feet some dust of the fields wherein he was captured, so sometimes fragments of remembrance cling to a man's soul, after it hath been taken to earth. Then a great minstrel arises, and, weaving together the shreds of his memories, maketh some melody, such as the hand of Shimono Kanai smites out of his harp. And they that pass by say, Hath there not been some such melody before? And they pass on sad at heart for memories which are not. Therefore, O king, one day the great gates of thy palace shall lie open for a procession wherein the king comes down to pass through a people, lamenting with lute and drum. And on the same day a prison door shall be opened by relenting hands, and one more lost note of Shimono Kanai's dirge shall go back to swell his melody again. The dirge of Shimono Kanai shall roll on till one day it shall, with all its notes complete, to overwhelm the silence that sits at the end of things. Then shall Shimono Kanai say to his brethren's bones, The things that might not be have at last become. But very quiet shall be the bones of the gods of old, and only their voices shall live which cried from the harp of heartstrings for the things which might not be. Part Six. When the caravans, saying farewell to Zandara, set out across the waste northwards to Inantu, they follow the desert track for seven days before they come to water, where Shuba Onath rises black out of the waste, with a well at its foot and herbage on its summit. On this rock a prophet hath his temple, and is called the Prophet of Journeys, and hath carven in a southern window smiling along the camel track all gods that are benignant to caravans. There a traveller may learn by prophecy whether he shall accomplish the ten days' journey thence across the desert, and so come to the white city of Anantu, or whether his bones shall lie with the bones of old along the desert track. No name hath the prophet of journeys, for none is needed in that desert, where no man calls, nor ever a man answers. Thus spake the prophet of journeys, standing before the king. The journey of the king shall be an old journey, pushed on apace. Many a year before the making of the moon thou camest down with dream-camels from the city without a name that stands beyond all the stars and then began thy journey over the waste of naught, and thy dream-camel bore thee well when those of certain of thy fellow-travellers fell down in the waste, and were covered over by the silence, and were turned again to naught. And those travellers, whence their dream-camels fell, having nothing to carry them further over the waste, were lost beyond, and never found the earth. These are those men that might have been, but were not, and all about thee fluttered the myriad hours, travelling in great swarms across the waste of naught. How many centuries passed across the cities, while thou wast making thy journey, none may reckon. 
for there is no time in the waste of naught, but only the hours fluttering earthwards from beyond to do the work of time. At last the dream-born travellers saw far off a green place gleaming, and made haste toward it, and so came to earth. And there, O king, ye rest for a little while, thou and those that came with thee, making an encampment upon earth, before journeying on. There the swarming hours alight, settling on every blade of grass and tree, and spreading over your tents, and devouring all things, and at last bending your very tent-poles with their weight, and wearying you. Behind the encampment in the shadow of the tents lurks a dark figure, with a nimble sword, having the name of Time. This is he that hath called the hours from beyond, and he it is that is their master. And it is his work that the hours do, as they devour all green things upon the earth, and tatter the tents, and weary all the travellers. As each of the hours does the work of time, time smites him with his nimble sword as soon as his work is done. And the hour falls severed to the dust, with his bright wings scattered, as a locust cut asunder by the scimitar of a skilful swordsman. One by one, O king, with a stir in the camp, and the folding up of the tents one by one, the travellers shall push on again on the journey begun so long before, out of the city without a name, to the place where dream-camels go, striding free through the waste. So into the waste, O king, thou shalt set forth ere long, perhaps to renew friendships begun during thy short encampment upon earth. Other green places thou shalt meet in the waste, and thereon shalt encamp again until driven thence by the hours. What prophet shall relate how many journeys thou shalt make, or how many encampments? But at last thou shalt come to the place of the resting of camels, and there shall gleaming cliffs that are named the ending of journeys lift up out of the waste of naught, naught at their feet, naught laying wide before them, with only the glint of worlds far off to illumine the waste. One by one, on tired dream camels, the travellers shall come in, and going up the pathway through the cliff in that land of the resting of camels, shall come on the city of ceasing. There the dream-wrought pinnacles, and the spires that are builded of men's hopes, shall rise up real before thee, seen only hitherto as a mirage in the waste. So far the swarming hours may not come, and far away among the tents shall stand the dark figure with the nimble sword. But in the scintillant streets, under the song-built abodes of the last of cities, thy journey, O king, shall end. Part 7 In the valley beyond Sedono there lies a garden of poppies, and where the poppies' heads are all a-swing with summer breezes that go up the valley, there lies a path well-strewn with ocean-shells. Over Sedono's summit the birds come streaming to the lake that lies in the valley of the garden, and behind them rises the sun, sending Sedono's shadow as far as the edge of the lake, and down the path of many ocean-shells, when they begin to gleam in the sun, every morning walks an aged man, clad in a silken robe, with strange devices woven. A little temple where the old man lives stands at the edge of the path. None worship there, 
for Zornatu, the old prophet, hath forsaken men to walk among his poppies. For Zornadhu hath failed to understand the purport of kings and cities, and the moving up and down of many people, to the tune of the clinking of gold. Therefore hath Zornadhu gone far away from the sound of cities, and from those that are ensnared thereby, and beyond Sidono's mountain, hath come to rest, where there are neither kings, nor armies, nor bartering for gold, but only the heads of the poppies that sway in the wind together, and the birds that fly from Sedono to the lake, and then the sunrise over Sedono's summit, and afterwards the flight of birds out of the lake and over Sedono again, and sunset behind the valley, and high over lake and garden, the stars that know not cities. There Zornadhu lives in his garden of poppies, with Sedono standing between him, and the whole world of men, and when the wind, blowing athwart the valley, sways the heads of the tall poppies against the temple wall, the old prophet says, The flowers are all praying, and, lo, they be nearer to the gods than men. But the heralds of the king, coming after many days of travel to Sedono, perceived the garden valley. By the lake they saw the poppy garden gleaming round and small, like a sunrise over water on a misty morning, seen by some shepherd from the hills. And, descending the bare mountain for three days, they came to the gaunt pines, and ever between the tall trunks came the glare of the poppies that shone from the garden valley. For a whole day they travelled through the pines. That night a cold wind came up the garden valley, crying against the poppies. Lo in his temple, with a song of exceeding grief, Zornadhu in the morning made a dirge for the passing of poppies, because in the night-time there had fallen petals that might not return, or ever come again into the garden valley. Outside the temple, on the path of ocean shells, the heralds halted, and read the names and honours of the king, and from the temple came the voice of Zornadhu, still singing his lament. But they took him from his garden, because of the king's command, and down his gleaming path of ocean shells, and away up Sedono, and left the temple empty, with none to lament, when silken poppies died. And the will of the wind of the autumn was wrought upon the poppies, and the heads of the poppies that rose from the earth went down to the earth again, as the plume of a warrior smitten in a heathen fight far away, where there are none to lament him. Thus out of his land of flowers went Zornatu, and came perforce into the lands of men, and saw cities, and in the city's midst stood up before the king. And the king said, Zornatu, what of the journey of the king, and of the princes, and the people that shall meet me? Zornatu answered, I know not of kings, but in the night-time the poppy made his journey a little before dawn. Thereafter the wild-fowl came, as is their wont, over Sedono's summit, and the sun rising behind them gleamed upon Sedono, and all the flowers of the lake awoke, and the bee passing up and down the garden went droning to other poppies, and the flowers of the lake, they that had known the poppy, knew him no more, and the sun's rays slanting from Sedono's crest lit still a garden valley, where one poppy waved his petals to the dawn no more. And I, O king, that down a path of gleaming ocean shells walk in the morning, found not, nor have since found, that poppy again, 
that hath gone on the journey, whence there is not returning out of my garden valley. And I, O king, made a dirge to cry beyond that valley, and the poppies bowed their heads. But there is no cry, nor no lament, that may adjure the life to return again to a flower that grew in a garden once, and hereafter is not. Unto what place the lives of poppies have gone, no man shall truly say. Sure it is that to that place are only outward tracks. Only it may be that when a man dreams at evening in a garden where heavily the scent of poppies hangs in the air, when the winds have sunk and far away the sound of a lute is heard on lonely hills, as he dreams of silken scarlet poppies that once were a swing together in the gardens of his youth, the lives of those old lost poppies shall return, living again in his dream, so there may dream the gods. And through the dreams of some divinity reclining in tinted fields, above the morning we may happily pass again, although our bodies have long swirled up and down the world with other dust. In these strange dreams our lives may be again, all in the centre of our hopes, rejoicings, and laments, until above the morning the gods wake to go about their work, haply to remember still their idle dreams, haply to dream them all again in the stillness when shines the starlight of the gods. End of The Journey of the King Parts 5, 6, and 7